as we planned out our uh, fall sermons, uh, we thought it would be a good idea and a great opportunity for us to talk about uh, the kingdom of God, especially as we are in a time where we're dealing with a different kind of kingdom, uh, very front and center in front of our attention, our attention. Um, with the election coming up, with many important proposals on our ballots, it's easy for our focus to be on the things now and on people who've made many great promises to us that they'd be able to fix things for us right away. And in fact, that's how we often approach our own views of this world and of the kingdom that we're in now and of our election that's coming up. That we want things to happen now. Uh, as you can hear my daughter crying in the background, <laughs> I've gotten pretty good at learning to be patient because the immediate reaction when a baby is crying is just get it to stop. For the love of all things, please stop crying. <laughs> But that doesn't always work. So you need patience. There was a, a documentary that I've uh, become very fond of called The Lord's Tale, and I think I've talked about it before, about the House of Lords. And in there, at the end, a man is talking about the problem with the way people are today and how they make their judgments and, and make their plans and his uh, way of critiquing them is that they base it off of everything in the now, of how the person looks, how the person speaks and acts, and how, how the person makes promises for me. Where when they walk into their own uh, voting booth or privacy of your own home, since we're in Washington State, the question is, what can this person do for me? Well, I am a generation too young to remember uh, the question that was asked. It's not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. So here we are in a world that uh, puts forward the fact that we need to worry about now and worry about ourselves. But if we know anything about the gospel and we remember any of the words of Jesus, we know that this is not the actual truth. It isn't about just us, and it isn't just about right now. I was telling Pastor Marcus as I was, we were coming up here to uh, begin service that is really hard writing a sermon where you may have to equate people with weeds, <laughs> but the other alternative is equating them with plants, which isn't really all that much better. But in this story that Jesus puts forward, the parable, we have many different people that are uh, being spoken about. One, we have the planter. We have the men that while they were sleeping, the enemy comes around. So we also have the enemy. Then we have the plants and we have the weeds. Now we're not talking about Washington State legal weed. We are talking about <laughs> weeds in the ground, just for clarity. And the weeds cause a problem. Because as they go, the men go out to work the fields, they keep finding weeds. And anybody who has a yard knows the problem with weeds. What is the problem? 
They grow and they come back. And they keep coming back. So once the weeds have invaded the field, there we go. We have our problem. Well, this is a parable that may be a little bit easier than others to understand. That he begins by letting us know that the Father comes and plants the field because after all, this is His kingdom. And we are relating this to Him and to His kingdom. And so He plants His field and the plants grow. And we as His baptized children are His plants. We are the ones that are in the field. And so we find ourselves in this field at this time. So there's something kind of remarkable about this that isn't exactly uh, explicitly talked about in the parable, but something we can draw out of it. The fact that we are in this field at this time. And that with great intention and with great purpose, the Lord plants His people. So we hear kind of the echo that comes out through the book of Esther where Mordecai sends a message to Esther asking just a very simple rhetorical question. Who is not to say that you have come to this kingdom for such a time as this? We, like Esther, like the countless saints that have come before us, like every baptized child of God, we find ourselves growing in the field. And we have to look around. We have to see the field that we're in. We have to see the very fact that we have the very planter who put us here. The story is not about the plants shriveling up and going away out of dissatisfaction of the field they've been planted in. Rather, the plants are to remain, to be there, despite the fact that there are such weeds in the field. So something we can pull out is the fact that here we are at this time and in this place. which means a great deal. Which means a great deal more than the field itself will ever tell us. But that we, we can find great promise and mercy in the fact that we have been put here and in this field at this time. So while we are in this place, what shall we do? How shall we be? Jesus says plainly that we are to go. Speaks about us as plants that, or, or vines and branches that, that grow and produce fruit. Not to shrivel away in fear, not to be ones that remain just hoping for the day to come, but rather we are to grow, to produce. And believe it or not, one of those very fruits to produce is patience. Patience. Patience, not just for a sermon to end, but patience to keep going. 
when I was on Vicarage, I, I lived in Council Bluffs, Iowa, just, just outside of downtown Omaha. And there was a, uh, a tradition in that town that every Thursday night during the summer that you would gather outside of, just right outside of town in a college and take one of the bike trails to a town that was about 10 or 15 miles outside of town. And this, this started uh, at about 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And so you would, you would get on the trail and go, and as you're going and you're leaving the, the urban part of Omaha and, and you're going out into the fields of Iowa, you would go past many different fields that had soybeans and had corn, and, and then you had the fields where the, the farmer for that season was letting, letting the field go to give, it, to give it its time, its rest. Well, by the time you got to this town which the purpose was to go have fish and, and have, have a few drinks, if you will. Um, you were heading back to Omaha in the dark. And at nighttime, the plants, after absorbing the, the sunlight and the minerals from the day, would grow. What's always interesting to me is you would go past a, a field of corn and you know what you would hear? The popping, right? Not popcorn, but the snapping of the plant as it grew. Making noise. So you would go past a field that would otherwise be quiet. And here they are, the plants growing. And you can literally hear them as they grew. But you go past the other field the field that was being given its rest, the field that was full of weeds. And do you know what you heard? Silence. You heard silence. We as plants put in this field for this time, called to grow, called to make that noise, called to bear that fruit. But even in this parable, we know that in our field, in our time, weeds are about. The weeds that we face are very real. They come in many different forms, just as many different forms of actual weeds there are. Sometimes they are people. Sometimes they are things. Sometimes they are ideas. Sometimes the very weed that we face is a weed that continues to call us away from God. We hear the very term about the sin that so easily entangles. And the worst part about weeds is that the roots will spread out and try and kill the plants. Entangling itself into the very plants that God has put there. And so we face the many different weeds, the weeds that sprout among us, the weeds that haunt us, the weed that calls us back to the computer to look at those images, the weed that calls us back to just one more drink one more time, the weed that makes us feel falsely secure that really what I do here has no influence on my body or on somebody else. The weed that sits there next to us and continues to beckon us away from the nutrients that we need, the nutrients of word and body and blood. 
The weeds that we face are the very ideas that, honestly, it's quite okay, we can live in our faith just by ourselves. Separated. The weed that continuously speaks into our very lives and our field right now, telling us that everything we should decide should just be about me and about right now. These weeds bear no fruit, but their roots will easily entangle, and the goal is to choke out the plant. So let us not pretend, let's not act like we don't understand, that even in our field and at this time, in our own lives, weeds can grow. And they have been purposefully planted, have been given to us by someone who wants nothing but our destruction. Martin Franzman, uh, who Pastor Marcus uh, mentioned last week in his sermon, also wrote about this, where he talks about the person who is planted and as he comes up into the field to grow, says he sees clearly that he is set on a field where wheat and weeds ripen together toward judgment day. He knows that he lives under constant attack and that he is vulnerable, that he is thrown entirely upon the mercy of God for deliverance. And so the prayer of the plant, of the person of God, the baptized child, ends as it begins with the petition that his God break forth and put an end to all that oppose God and endangers God's people with these simple words, deliver me from evil. Words that we repeat daily and together. Deliver us. Revelations, as it talks about time that we live in now speaks about how the cry of the Christians will rise up and say, how long, O Lord, must we wait? Deliver us. Deliver us from these weeds. Deliver us from this sin, this death that so easily entangles. I myself, And Pastor Marcus, feel this need and desire to pray these very things and to even make out that call every time I am at and we are at bedside of a sick or the dying. That even the threat of death becomes a weed. How long must we wait? So now we know We know why one of the fruits that we are to grow is patience because that is what we need and that is what it takes. That as we grow up into this field and bear this fruit, there is great purpose and reason for this wait. That it is not just to see how long we can squirm or how long it is we can hold out. but it's because it's not just about us. 
there are plenty of people out there who have not yet heard of the mercies of God. And the mercy of God is not yet done. Revelation also talks about that he is waiting until the time the number is complete. All who have heard have heard. All who are to come to him will come to him. And so we wait. And we wait patiently and with endurance. Because there are so many more who need the mercy that we have already received. Yes, we pray. And and soon as we come into Advent, we'll be praying, come Lord Jesus, come. But part of that prayer is that all may hear. All may receive the mercy that He has. We cannot be selfish with our God, but we must share Him. And let His mercy reach all it is to reach. So we have a merciful God whose mercies are not yet done, and there are many more that He will share it with. And so this patience that we grow, the patience that is being granted to us, does give us something. It is nurtured by the Word and the bread and the wine. It is given to us in the water. It is something that speaks to us, the very promises that let us know that even while we wait, even while we are among the weeds that continue to try and pull us away from God, that we are not there alone. Just like the words that came out of our epistle reading, God is ours and we are His. Just like the promise that comes to us through Romans that Paul writes that we know that those who love God, all things will work together for. And for those who are called according to His purpose. That even while we wait, even while we wait among suffering, it is for the good of others and for ourselves, that we are still here, that we are still in this field, that we are still growing in this faith. That doesn't compute with the ways of this world. There's a doctor by the name of Henry Marsh who just came out with an autobiography And he's a famous brain surgeon. And he was describing his work and the demands that he had and and the countless people that came under his uh, knife. And some he was able to save and some he had no no way to help and, and just had to watch them kind of die away. And he began to describe the problems that he had in his personal life, including the, the divorce of his first marriage after 27 years. And he chalked that up to impatience. The interviewer asked him why, what did he mean by that? And he said, well, you see, when you deal in the business of life and death, you seem to grab, grab, uh, grow impatient with anything that's not life. For us as plants, that are called to grow strong and to grow in patience. We have known now nothing but life. We know now that we will know nothing but life. 
that though we live in a world that death is rampant, all who believe and call on His name will have eternal life. We, by the blessing of God and the grace that He has given us in Jesus Christ, have every reason to let our patience grow. To stand and be different from the kingdom that we live in in this world and be ambassadors of the kingdom that we are called to life in. Because what we know is life. What we have is life. We have the promise that even while we are here that things will work towards our good and those weeds will die off. They shall never overcome. And so we have every reason to be patient and to be part of a kingdom that is patient. A kingdom where our God truly reigns. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.